0: I'm back home at my location. I've got people that have traveled in today, traveled all the way from the city of Long Beach, the LBC, to come and hang out with myself and Kaiju Kiwi, who's very wet, very damp because she just got a bath and she's very mad at me. But anyway, Mr. Lindbergh, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for driving up here, braving the LA traffic so you can tell me about how you became... The most dapper photographer I've seen.
1: <laughs> well, thanks for having me. It's a it, uh, traffic is uh, is its own little organism here, and we got into the window where there was almost no traffic. So you were living the dream, basically. we were living the dream. the uh, The 9 a.m. or more, more as like 10 a.m. to 12:30 L.A. dream of no traffic.
0: And then when we when we send you home, hopefully it's just gonna be like in that little window post lunch where it's not gonna be too no, bad. No, it's, it's he heads gonna be, it's gonna be effed. Really? Yeah, you think so?
1: Yeah, yeah, Anytime past like two to three, yeah, you're done. Oh, I'll try and get you out before two. Oh, don't worry about it. we will our best. You'll probably get sick of being like, oh, I don't want to talk to James <laughs> The anymore. good thing about being up here is there is incredible tacos. So we could just waste some time and get some tacos. Well, where are you going to go? Uh, I mean, the place to go would be Leo's Taco Truck, right? Yeah, that's like the place to go. I, I've, I've, it's like you it just kind of just becomes this place where you just go, and then you kind of see people that you normally would not see. Like sometimes you would see celebrities, sometimes like I would see industry friends, you know? Yeah, it's just this place.
0: But you got down near your neck of the woods is my favorite uh, horchata Charter stop, which is the Ria in Paramount. Have you been there? I've not seen I been there. Yeah, you should definitely go. Uh, if you like horchata, since it sort of gives it away. no Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, anyway, since we started talking about Mexican food here in LA, it's pretty... Well, we've also got El Coyote down here, which we kind of yeah, is yeah. our local, makes nice yeah. and easy. Yeah. Um, also good to spot Dave Navarro there. We see him all the time there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see him all the time, yeah.
0: Uh, well, at El Coyote anyway. But mm-hmm. anyway, back to you and your fishman's friends. Yes. How did you get into this crazy world of automotive car photography?
1: So it's it's this weird story. Um, I I grew up and I was not into cars at all, not mm-hmm. even the slightest. Uh, I was in high school, and um, I would see the the people in high school that were in the cars, and I I have to admit I kind of looked down. I'm like, why would you spend all this money on something that seems almost trivial, right? And this is in in high school when I'm in Northern California. And Where in the
0: Bay Area we are based. Bay Area. In?
1: I was I was based in San Jose, California. Oh, Okay. Yeah, and there's. Not much car culture there. There is car culture there, but there is not a lot. It's not alive and present. Yeah,
0: I mean they have the Santana yeah. Road Exotics. Yeah. Yeah. But so other than that, it's it, yeah. Not for as a young
1: person, it's not really there. You have to be into it, or you have to search for it mm-hmm. in in Northern California. So after high school, I moved down to L.A. just to get away and kind of be on my own, and um, I was able to get my first job as a graphic designer. And I've done graphic design before that. Uh, for for years, um, I my mom always questioned me. It's like, Lynn, why are you always going? Why are you always on, on the computer? I'm like, Mom, I'm working. And she had no idea that this was becoming a thing. In mm-hmm. what was it? Two thousand, oh, no no no. Nineteen ninety nine to two thousand two. Yeah, I was working at home on the computer, and that's like, that was avant garde back in the day. Mm-hmm. And so I found this this uh, um, graphic design job, and. Every single day, I had to drive to work. And it was 45 minutes for six miles, right? Which in seems not normal. In normal in LA. In LA, yeah. In yes. LA. Yes. Anywhere else, that's yes. like. Yes. But when you come from a place that this is not normal, mm-hmm. like, and you're in the car for this long, you get to the point where you, it's not like a, quite like a breaking point. It's like, okay. I need to have a car that I enjoy being in for that long, mm-hmm. and it, it, this is not a realization that just came automatically. It was just like a, it just kind of was like so slow burn, very very slow burn. And it you ev-
0: thought, obviously, you're traveling a long time, 45 mm-hmm. minutes, six miles. Yeah, I'll get something large, yep, comfortable luxurious. <laughs> and so what did you
1: end up with? I ended up with a Mazda Miata. So which ticks all those boxes, basically. Uh, exactly, all those boxes. And it had no AC, and it didn't have a radio. And see? I, even yeah, better. Even better. For LA traffic. For LA traffic, yeah. But as like, what was it, as, as a 20-year-old, a Mazda Miata, and you get 32, 35 miles a gallon, and you're kind of living check by check, it's, it's kind of a dream. And you can put the top down. Oh yeah, yeah. And so that means basically unlimited storage if you want to move anything. Uh yep, yep, yeah. We've I've moved like a whole giant mirror with it before, and all sorts of things. But that once that pop top goes, or not the pop top, the uh, the convertible cup goes down. It drops it's down. Like, it drops down. It's just. It's like nothing else. Even, like, sitting in traffic 45 minutes and the and you have that sunset light just coming sh- down and you're just like, man, this is it. This well, is see, I have the problem with that because if I drop the top down, I
0: just mean I just turn into a lobster.
1: Well, I'm tropical, so I'm yeah. lucky.
0: So you're lucky, whereas yeah. me, on the other hand, is yeah. like, no, no, yeah. James, you can't do that. N- no,
1: no, 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 no. Someone's no, no, telling me. No no, no, no. Either you put a hat on or, like, you just put some sunscreen on, you're fine. Yeah. But um, so, like, with a, with, with a convertible, though, I always tell people that there is this time where you should not be a convertible. And it's between nine a.m. to about two thirty-three o'clock. That is like not convertible time. Or you just even as a tropical person, mm-hmm. I would not be able to do that because I would burn as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, there is some restrictions. Unless you're a German tourist or yes. European tourist, I would yes. say, and you yes. get that Mustang or Camaro, mm-hmm. and oh, you just want to yeah. go down Route yep. One. Yep. I mean, any time you're going to
1: go, you're going to be turned into a pot lobster. Anytime, yeah. But, but as a tourist, you want to turn in a lobster. You yeah, want to get story. that full experience. You get the full like, oh, experience. Yeah. I was on
0: Route 1. I was in my convertible. <clears throat> yep. And then yep. I got sunburnt. Exactly.
1: Uh, so I got the Mazda Miata. And at that time, I was, just, I was enjoying driving it, right? And I was like, maybe there's other people that like Mazda Miatas as well. And I found this great community mm-hmm. um, online. And I realized that they met up every single Friday. At this one spot, in in uh, in city of industry, it was uh, it was an In and Out in city of industry, and uh, I made some incredible friends there that I have like a lifetime of connection through. And from there, it just kind of grew, right? So, and how many In and Out burgers do you think you consumed in that time? Um, I think I went to those meets probably every single Friday for four years. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the math is of that, but that's a lot in and out, right? And
0: then, will you go straight with the regular menu, or will you go in the secret menu?
1: You always go like like as a new person, you always go with the regular menu. But mm-hmm. as you start eating it more and more, you start customizing it. Yeah, yeah. So you, you it just depends on whatever your your flavor is of that day. So um, yeah, and uh, from from meeting these people and becoming more and more into my car, I started to want to. I started to appreciate my car in a visual way. Mm -hmm. So um, I started taking pictures of my car. It was just like regular old point-and-shoot cameras. And I got to the point – I remember this very clearly. I I was shooting a picture of my car outside of my house, and it was nighttime. And I was really frustrated on why I couldn't shoot a picture of this car at night, and it turned out well. And I found out there was this – like my point-and-shoot had this like – Uh, I didn't know at the time, but it was basically a slow shutter, right? Mm -hmm. And I pressed it, not knowing a damn thing about photography or anything, and then this car passes by while the shutter was open. And, of course, you get the red streaks. And then that moment, I saw it on my screen. I was like, wow, like I did that, right? And it makes you feel pretty good. Like you have no idea why. And so from there, it kind of like – it literally snowballed. Mm-hmm. from that point on I was like oh I gotta get a better camera like this is really fun and I start shooting all my friends' Miatas and then things go from there yeah so where did where did it lead to from there and how long did you what happened to your Miata for a start uh what do you mean what happened to it like well have you still got
0: it I, I don't have the original, but I have another. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so what happened to the original then? The Where original. did it go from you purchasing it and being your daily driver and from there to how it ended up?
1: So I, I purchased a daily driver and I started ricing it and I started going to these rice meats and all that stuff. And then as I started getting more serious with photography, um, I realized it was either I go towards this that I want to do in my life. It's, I didn't know that I wanted to do it professionally. I just knew that I needed Certain things in my life, and one of those was a new camera, mm-hmm. right? And as a person at the time, that was living check to check, as we were, we're around. That yeah, same time. right. Around and the same the, time. that age. Yeah. 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 At the age you live check to check, and you're like, and you look at a camera, and you're like, I need this camera to do whatever I heck I need. I don't know what I do need it for, but I need but it. I need. I need it. Need it. I need it. Yeah. And it was twenty five hundred dollars for this camera, mm-hmm. and I had did not have twenty five hundred dollars. And so I looked at my, my my lovely little red Miata, and I was like, "Well, it's time to go." Mm-hmm. And so I sold it, and I bought that camera. And then next thing you know, I, uh, yeah, next thing you know, I was starting to shoot. And what was the camera that you purchased? It was a five D Mark II, Canon five D Mark II. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was brand new, and it was probably the, <clears throat> it was more expensive than Miata actually bought. So I bought the Miata fourteen hundred. Mm-hmm. And then the the Canon was twenty five hundred. I think I sold the, the the Miata with rice on it for two grand or so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's profit right there. It's profit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so it just snowballed. And like and then um, yeah. It it's it, it a really weird experience that I came from not loving cars to absolutely loving car culture, and then somehow. I started getting noticed with my work, and people were contacting me for, for paid work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did they go? Where did we? Did you start
0: finding you were getting noticed? I mean, how did that come about? Was it from the people in, that you were meeting with through the
1: Miata scene, or where did it go from there? So uh, the Miata scene was getting a lot of notice at the time because it was one of the bigger meets that was happening in L.A. Um, uh, at that time. And this was like – this is the mid – uh, mid 2000s mm-hmm. and there was a couple of meets that were really really big and those of you that are really old school in, in that around that time you would remember uh, Take Back Tuesdays so, or Tab Tuesdays and those were huge so those were like 100 to 200 car meets every single Tuesday and then, then there was always these, these little offshoot meets of like one make meets and one uh, our meet was we would probably average 20 to 40 cars a day um, like for a week. Mm-hmm. and Which is a good turnout. Which is a good turnout. For a single make. Yeah, for a single make meet. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, so um, I forgot where I was going with that.
0: Where, where did you first get paid? Oh, that,
1: first all get that, paid. That yes, all yes, sorry. Um, and so as the meets were getting bigger, we were starting to get noticed mm-hmm. f- from everybody. And one of the things that we did get noticed from is we got noticed from, uh, from Mazda headquarters okay. in Irvine. Yep. And they were contacting me and other people from the meet that were organizing these meets. And they were like, what are you guys doing? What are you guys here for? Why are you guys like – and they started asking these questions because they were about to come out with their, with their third-generation Mazda Miata, mm-hmm. right? which is the MX-5. Everyone calls it a Miata. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what's yeah. on the nameplate. It's, yeah. it's called a Miata no matter flat out. Yeah. Right? So they were about to come out, come out with it, and they were asked. They wanted to know why the youth were so enthralled in these little cars. And so they had designers come out during meets things like that. And once people started getting hearing about that, it started getting more and more um you know attention towards the meat. And and I got approached from some old friends uh and they ran this website called coldtrackdays.com. Mm-hmm. And they they're like, "Hey, we like your work." Uh they're based out of they were based out of Seattle, by the way. And they were like, "Hey, we love your work. Would you love contributing to us as like just as a side hobby thing?" And from there I I definitely – it kind of – once I started blogging for them, it kind of blossomed out. And mm-hmm. then um, – So what were they focused on then when you started up and What was your role, I should say? My role was, was as a photographer. Mm-hmm. And what they focused on was uh, was track days. Mm-hmm. So it, it could have been, it could have been uh, like little tiny track days or it could have been like little motorcycle events, little autocross events. It was very, very small scale track days, things. And, and then, which tracks were you heading up with, all the ones here in SoCal? Uh yeah, all the ones here in SoCal so it'd be Button Willow and Willow Springs and I think that's kind of mainly what I covered just because I couldn't drive out anywhere else mm-hmm. budget wise. Sure, right. Cause Grand J can be a little far sometimes. So yeah. Budget. Yeah. <laughs> and so I started. I started I shot with them for about uh like six to eight months. Mm-hmm. And um and then I got a little tickle f- uh, on my email from this guy called Rod Chang. Mm-hmm. Who you have had on your show. Friend of the podcast. yeah, Friend of the podcast. Um, and he was like, uh, would you be interested in writing about your Miyata meet on speedhunters.com? Mm-hmm. And I did. right? And I was like, I-, I would love to. And I did. And the reception was incredible. And this is 2008. Yeah, mm-hmm. 2008. Um, and the reception was incredible. And he wrote back and he's like, we would love to have you back. And we started talking, and then next thing you know, I started becoming a regular contributor to Speedhunters. And from that point on, um, I knew, without a shadow of doubt, that I knew that I could do this as my profession. Uh, When I started contributing to Speedhunters, I was part-time for about, uh, what was it, like nine months. Mm -hmm. I was still working a graphic design job, a different one. And um, it got to the point where... I was asking every Friday off. I was like, I need this Friday off. I need this Thursday off. I need this Monday off. And and they were like and they would get tired of it and like, Lindbergh, you have to make a decision. Like it's either us or whatever hell you're doing. Yeah, the secret of us. stuff you're doing the on secret the outside. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The inner, the dark world of the internet, we don't want anything to do with it, yeah. but you gotta make a decision. And so I made a decision and I was and then um I was able to become full time as a speed hunter.
0: And then so how long were you at speed because you had a do you have two stints there? I had, I
1: I had, I think I was there for about four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four years or so, and they were some of the warmest memories of my life, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Rod wasn't too mean to you, is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Rod was always interesting, <laughs> but no, he wasn't too mean at all. That's good. That's uh, what yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he 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 was. Very instrumental on on why the success of speed hunters w- became what it is, um, and so yeah, and he he did push us and he pushed us to uncomfortable parts, for not the uncomfortable parts, but uncomfortable things to do and got out of our boundaries and uh, and um, as a person a minority, and mm-hmm. when someone asks you to fly to the middle of the south to shoot a drag racing. And as a minority, you get a little scared. Sure. Right? I mean, just go to a drag race. It's a little scary. Right. right? Just yeah. from if you've never been yeah, before. Yeah, if you've never been before. And you have to go to a drag race. And you have to go to a drag race. And then here, your editor is going like, hey, I, I, just go. You're going to have a lot of fun. Um, and uh, and I did. And it was it was amazing. Yeah. yeah it opened my world up. And, and I have a lot of thanks to Rod for opening up my car culture palette. hmm Yeah.
0: So, where in those first four years with Speed Hunters, where did it, aside from the South, going to shoot drag racing for the first time? Where else did you manage to go? What other things did you sort of like tick off
1: um, on I, the automotive spectrum? Uh, going into becoming an automotive photographer, I had no checks to tick off. I mm-hmm. was just like, whatever comes to me was. Anywhere. Anytime, anywhere. Any, any place. I'll be there. if suitcase, toothbrush, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I didn't even have a suitcase, suitcase and toothbrush. Toothbrush, but it was fun. So um, with Speedhunters, uh, I I traveled the world um, quite a bit. I went to China. I went to Portugal. I went to England, all over the United States because that's kind of – it was just based out of it. So like exp- – yeah. Um, primarily focused on drifting, and then I did two seasons of ALMS through Speedhunters. mm mm-hmm. Long live LMS, by the way, which Mm -hmm. is the better series. Ooh, Ooh, someone's being controversial. (laughs) Um, and uh, yeah, and and it's like, and then we, we, um, and then what was it? I did Pikes Peak. This year will be my tenth year of Pikes Peak when I go Mm -hmm. in a row. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I did Bonneville Salt Flats, which was incredible. El Mirage, uh speed, speed challenges too, and then like the, the mile stuff. And so, yeah, all over the spectrum. And uh, it's it's been great.
0: So being – we'll just jump on this quickly. So being a te- almost a 10-year veteran of Pikes Peak, uh-huh. what
1: tips would you have for anyone going to Pikes Peak to watch? Uh, most important tip is whenever you – wherever you fly in, whenever you fly in, pound water. So pound a gallon of water and then pound a a Gatorade right afterwards. You're gonna pee a crap load, but this is what you want to do. You want to go from yellow to clear, because if you don't, you're gonna die on a mountain. (laughs) <laughs> is, is this from experience or did someone was kind enough to tell you that before uh this is from experience um i didn't i didn't luckily i've never gotten a. um what was it altitude sickness mm-hmm. but i've gotten to the point where i have had uh like a little bit of a headache yeah but it wasn't like a pounding like immobile which experience. can be pretty devastating it's I will devastating say. Yeah. yeah so as if if you were to go to Pike's Peak, slam water mm-hmm. never drink alcohol which is not a good thing. If you enjoy alcohol, you don't want to drink it when you after, first get it. After. After. Yes. Kind of avoid the coffee mm-hmm. because that dries you out too. Um, and Basically, anything that dries you out, avoid it for the first couple days Yeah. because then you'll be fine afterwards. Okay. Yeah. Because once you get up to, what was it, uh, Devil's Playground at 11,000 feet, it's going to hit you. Yeah. And another thing that a lot of people don't talk about at Pikes Peak is that when you're at altitude, you – Fart and you pee incessantly. You don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. You just it just happens because it's just getting pushed out of you. Well, I knew about the peeing, but I wasn't aware of the tooting as well. The tooting. So, so the tooting. So, it's a funny story with that one. I was uh, we were at Pike's Peak, and um, we were working this job. I was I was with uh, Will Rogie, a, f- a friend of colleague, and then a bunch of other people, Justin mm-hmm. Shreve, and uh, we were all working together, and we all had radios. And uh, one of our friends, uh, Joshua Heron, was walking back to us from wherever he was. And walking back to us was an uphill, right? And for some reason, he had his walkie-talkie on the whole time, right? So we were hearing him grunt the whole time, but it's also – it was in his back pocket. So he was Uh. grunting and tooting at the same time the whole way up.
0: Like a real sound, uh, uh, a cacophony of sound, one might say, a full visceral experience. Uh. It's like your own surround sound.
1: It was. And so, yeah, um, Pikes Peak, uh, other than the like bodily fluids and bodily air coming out of you, it's an amazing And I experience. imagine, obviously, there's hundreds and
0: hundreds of lavatories with fresh running water everywhere you go, always filled
1: up with soap and everything else you need across the mountains. Is that correct? That, that is far from correct. Okay. Um, there is very little... Uh, bathroom services. Mm-hmm. So if you do need to do anything, relieve yourself in either way, one or two, mm-hmm. you have to find a nice quiet spot. Okay. But the only ca- – I would say the caveat of having – of relieving yourself at Pikes Peak is you get probably the number one bathroom in the world. Of course, you get a nice view, right? Yeah, yeah. So I would say um, there, there's this part in Pikes Peak. It's called the S's, mm-hmm. right? And if if you choose the right part of the S, you can see the whole track from wherever you are relieving yourself.
0: Oh, see. Yes. That's good to know. These so you, things,
1: yeah. So it's like you, from your, you're, you're your, your, your doing your duty at eleven thousand feet, mm-hmm. and you can see from the start line from from a certain vantage point. Okay. So I mean, I mean, you can't compete with, can't, you can't compete with that.
0: No, it's it's a pretty so, good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got other things to contend with after the fact, but while you're going, I mean, it's great, <laughs> right? And so, so going from going to the deep south for a drag race to pooping on top of the world at Pikes Peak. Mm-hmm. Um, that was your first stint where it maybe push you out of your comfort zone. I might yeah, say yeah. pooping on a mountain is probably going to push anyone out of the comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Where did you go to after that first stint at Speedhunters? Um, so after with Speedhunters, I went, um, I went completely freelance. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, during that time with Speedhunters, I was able to make enough connections with the industry and become friends with so many people throughout the industry that, uh, I was able to go on my own completely. Mm-hmm. And um, for the first couple years uh, of afterwards, I did a lot of commercial photography th- with agencies and working with manufacturers, Okay. Uh, car manufacturers. So which were some of the manufacturers you were working with then? So uh, uh, I worked with Nissan. I worked with Tesla. Um, I worked with Mercedes, um, Mazda, Mitsubishi. Um, Ford, Chevy, pretty much everything other than the really, really expensive brands. Okay. Yeah. And
0: then how does it, how does it feel when you see some of your photos like blown up big over places or what's, should I say, the
1: weirdest place where you've seen photos or heard of your photos being around? I, I have walked into a lavatory. Mm-hmm. And I've stood in front of a John, and there was a photo of mine right in front of it. I was staring. It was right in my face. There you go. Yeah. So that's kind of like – That's when you know you've made it when when you're above the urinal. When you're above a urinal and you're staring at your own photo Mm -hmm. for sure. You're really, really uh, looking back at yourself at that point. Yeah. I I would say like um, seeing my my own photos on top of the convention center, like huge uh, – SEMA is great. But what really, really nails it down is seeing that in in the laboratory. It's like, it's like, wow, that's it. Like, it's one of those moments. Like, wow, I kind of made it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. More so than I would say, like a big billboard for some reason, because a big billboard is still like there's no connection to it. You see it like, oh wow, it's like a big billboard that I have my work on. And you might drive past or walk past. Might walk past it, but sometimes this when you're in the bathroom. I mean, you're there for there. It's a long time, maybe. Yeah. So it's 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 really really fun, and then it's really just great to always see like just work out like that. And then, so what brought you back then for your second
0: sort of stint at Speed Hunters?
1: Um I was I was back at Speedhunters for a little bit, and I'm trying to remember what I did there.
0: Because I just read your article last night in 2014 saying I'm back.
1: Yeah, better than ever. Yeah, um, it was a very short stint, um, but. I I did some work. I'm trying to remember. I did a little bit of FD again. Um, I got cobwebs right now, man. That's all right. But then yeah. after your short
0: stint at uh-huh. Speedhunters, where yeah. did you go back to freelance? Well, then uh, yeah yeah happened? yeah.
1: So so during during that time while I was at Speedhunters, it was it wasn't a full time thing. It mm-hmm. was it was a part time thing at Speedhunters. It was contractual and it was per story basis. And I was still doing my own freelancing. So mm-hmm. basically, when I stopped being full time at Speedhunters, I was freelance this whole time. So. I'm now about to get in my 10th year of being a freelance photographer. And what are some of the perks the, of being a freelance photographer before we talk about some of the potential drawbacks of being a freelance photographer? The of perks a, of a freelance photographer is, um, number one, is you have your own schedule. And that is by far the most important thing because when you work a, like, a day-to-day job and you have to go to doctor or you have to do a certain errand – you have to take the day off mm-hmm. but as a freelance anything you have you could go okay i could go and i could do this and it doesn't like it doesn't impact me in any way like i'm not losing my hours of work right mm-hmm. and so schedule is so important um you're having your own schedule is so important and uh how busy is your schedule um when i first started i was very busy mm-hmm. so uh i would say there were, there were moments where I was tra- in between travel so much that I didn't even have time to do laundry. Mm-hmm. Right? So I went home, repacked what I could, and then um, and then went off again. <coughs> but, but now, now, uh, as like, someone that's thats, that's been doing this for a while, I have more control over, over what work I, I accept and don't accept, right? And that really opens me up. And so my work-life balance now is incredible. Yeah, and it's best it's ever been. And so does that mean when you say you get the opportunity to pick and choose, so to speak, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's a great
0: position to be in when you can pick and choose. Yeah. Does that mean that sometimes you can also branch out and it's not always automotive focused?
1: Have you done other projects, or what about that? Uh, <clears throat> my bread and butter is, will always be automotive, mm-hmm. but I do a little bit of weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably do about 10 weddings a year. And then... Um, uh, it's it's really weird that like an automotive photographer could do could enjoy weddings, right? <clears throat> but I highly enjoy weddings. What do you enjoy so much about weddings? Okay, you you ready for this? I'm I, ready. I, I'm, I'm about to be really cheesy. Please. Right? So I the, mo- the most important thing I enjoy about weddings is being able to f- photograph love. Right, Blends. but I know, I know. It's beyond it's cliche. Gone from, it's
0: gone from going number twos, on yeah,
1: and yeah, staring at yourself in a urinal to talking about love, marriage. Yes, yes. So, like, I'm a hopeless romantic, mm-hmm. and as a hopeless romantic, you always want to see people happy. And as a wedding photographer, you get that opportunity, and uh, and, and 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 as a wedding photographer, you get to see. The people that are extremely in love and the people are just barely in love. And mm-hmm. you get to see that, that variation, and it's great. So I think that's one of the, the key things about – if you were looking to be a wedding photographer, mm-hmm. I always tell people there, there's like a couple of things that you have to um, have to, to really enjoy. it. Not like, hey, I'm going to make a lot of money into it because that's great. You're going to make a lot of money into it if you do like 30 weddings a year. Because wedding photography is not exactly cheap. It's not cheap,
0: right? Especially when you have, like, three photographers,
1: a video over there, etc. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see teams no. of like, five people. I'm like, mm-hmm.
0: ooh, that's a lot of people.
1: Yeah. So, and I always tell people, if you're going to be a wedding photographer, you have to believe in love, mm-hmm. which is uh, what some people don't believe in love, and that's fine. But you have to believe in love because you're photographing it. And then you have to believe in the sanctity of marriage. And then, <clears throat> and you have to just believe in and the goodness of humanity, right? So those are the three things that are like, like, like I said, I'm here talking about like urinals and stuff like that. But like, in wedding photography, that's so important. That's like more important than anything else in wedding photography to me. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, if you don't have those three, then then you shouldn't be doing wedding photography, right? That just becomes a job, not something you love doing and you get paid to do. There's, there's huge differences there. So it goes like with with cars as well. So okay, yeah, and then so. Uh,
0: has it been any uh what has it been some of the fun weddings that where have they taken you in locations or anything like that or what's some of the things that you seem to be so enamored with shooting weddings um so
1: uh i was l- um let's see i've been lucky enough to do destination weddings, mm-hmm. and that like uh, my love of travel and my love of photography and then my love of weddings that 's all three things combined so you know i've been to Turks and Caicos, i've been to Dominic republic um uh, I've been, let's see, I've been to Maine and just kind of everywhere. And I've actually, we should, uh, I shot with uh, Alex Wong, which you should probably have on here. Okay, well, um, if you can bug him for me, that I be will great. bug him for you. He should be here for Long Beach, uh, for Long Beach, so mm-hmm. I'll bug him about that. I shot, me and Carissa, we shot uh, a wedding in the Philippines um, a couple years ago. And that was one of those beautiful weddings we've ever shot. So, yeah. And then and then there's also this, this marriage of my automotive side and the wedding side. So I have been able – I've been lucky enough to be able to shoot um, industry friends' weddings as well. So it, it goes hand
0: in hand. Yeah, and hopefully – does that mean they always, like, bring their own, like, their cars and everything to the weddings? How often does that happen? <laughs> I can imagine them, like, showing up and being like, yep, this is what I came in. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, it depends on the couple. Uh, so – Sometimes if the lady's not into it, then there's no cars. But yeah. sometimes I would I would say sometimes if you shoot an industry friends wedding, the be- the the parking lot definitely becomes mini uh, Tokyo Auto Salon. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah, I mean I can imagine that. Yeah, happen. yeah, yeah. And then so so with that being now, so what are some of the most recent uh, things you've been doing? Not on the wedding side, but on the more automotive side, that you've been photographing?
1: Um, so uh, I've been lucky enough to have a mentor mm-hmm. and of Jeff Zwart. Um, he kind of—I met him a couple of years ago, um, and he kind of took me under his wing a little bit. I've been trying to get him on the podcast, but he's a very busy man, it would seem. You might have to go to him.
0: Well, there's that yeah. too. No, yeah, he's in Costa Mesa. Yeah, no, but it's a case of he's still got—he's got a very busy,
1: very busy, hectic schedule. Yes, yes, I could help. I could help him bo- oh, okay. bother you for bit. That's anything. right. Yeah. I'm trying to get him because
0: we're trying to do the cool thing. Yes.
1: So he became a mentor of mine, which is a wonderful mentor to have from the outset. Very lucky you are. And um, he was – and beca- becoming a mentor of – or uh, him having a mentor of mine, I, he took me under the Porsche wing. Mm-hmm. And so lately, because of him and because of his connections, uh, I have been doing a ton of work with Porsche. Or just, not just Porsche in general, but like Porsche things, Porsche okay. culture. All right. So um, I've been shooting a lot for Christopher's Magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, there's Triple Zero uh, mm-hmm. here in the States. and Which yeah, is a
0: wonderful magazine.
1: Wonderful magazine. Probably down yeah. to your photos, I put it down too. <laughs> I always tell people that Christopher, or not Christopher, Triple uh, um, Zero is like, it's like the Dungeons and Dragons of Porsche magazines. Mm-hmm. If you're into that, like it's super. You just super. don't need the dice. You just don't need the dice. No dice. dice. Um, but yeah, it's really, really like technical. And um, and if you're into it, like, like breakdown diagrams, that's all you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said, it is a great magazine. Mm-hmm. And like say, if you're into the Porsche mark, Yes. It's definitely a good place to start. Yeah.
1: So, a lot of, yeah. So, yeah, Porsche has been huge for me the past couple of years, um, and I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. And then, what
0: about splitting? Obviously, you've got your work life. What about your fun part of your life that you're able to change now? How does that fit into this, and how do you bring your... Other skills that you may have, how does that find its way out there?
1: So, past couple of years, um, I've been lucky enough to be this incredible woman, uh, Carissa. Mm-hmm. And Who we might get to talk to at some point. You're going you're gonna to talk to her for some point. Um, and uh, she, both her and I really, really enjoy the outside, right? Mm-hmm. Just being outside and doing things outside. And we're not talking about like going to Walmart or going to the No, more, no, no, no. We're, we're talking about like going into the forest, going to mountains, going to desert, all like house proper outside okay um and we the re- great outdoors the one great outdoors say. and we realized that you know we are we enjoy photography and we love the outside and we do take our cameras with us mm-hmm. in, in these like first early stints and um what was it and then uh we realize that we can't post these things on our personal Instagram because mm-hmm. Instagram is this weird world where if you deviate a little bit from no. from what you, you're – getting, no love. That's it, right? And everyone's like, "Nope, I'm leaving you. I'm leaving unfollow. you." Exactly. Yeah. right unfollow. So both her and I, uh, we're both automotive photographers, and so only thing you see would be car photos, mm-hmm. right? I and mean, f- f- I was going to say a friend of mine.
0: He just had tag team unfollow him. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I asked her. Was it? Was it? Uh, DJ the Brain Supreme or was it Steve? (laughs) you got to decide. I mean, who who was the mean person out of that duo? Yeah. I
1: thought they were always back again, but there you go. So we realized that we can't post all these photos and like the great photos that we shoot outdoors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we started a second Instagram and, uh, or, or, or or between the both of us. And we also, in that time, we also bought the last of the DSMs. Okay. um, The Mitsubishi DSMs. We bought Mitsubishi Montero Mm -hmm. 2.5 Gen. Mm Mm-hmm and uh, we outf- we've slowly over the years outfitted it to a point where we take it out all the time and it takes us to places where almost nobody goes. So what first let's talk about that so why did you choose uh the Mitsubishi? So the easy answer is because it's it's not as ex- as expensive as a Land Cruiser. Okay. Yeah. So a Land Cruiser you're talking about 15 grand, mm-hmm. right? And and rising now, I think. And rising now. Yeah, like 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 an 80 series mm-hmm. is what we were looking at. And uh and and we went with the Mitsubishi because it's not 15 grand, it's five grand mm-hmm. or less if mm-hmm. you're lucky. Yeah. And it's better outfitted than a Land Cruiser. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't aware of that? So, front seat- uh, heat seaters, which does not come with Land Cruiser, which is very important. Very important. Especially if you're going somewhere chilly. Yes. Uh, and then the rear seats recline. Mm-hmm. You have a third row. And then the, the middle seats have cup holders is good <sighs> which is like like uncalled for like yeah i mean that's luxury that's right extreme there. luxury and also it comes with things like like a rear locker and a center locker we're talking about like just, yeah no, so no, no, it's cup holders where it's at you <laughs> don't worry about that that <laughs> rear center, no, no no cup holders where it's at yeah cup holders are definitely where it's at but at this point though these cup holders are very 90s and they don't they don't hold their little double insulated walled cups they no, so. they used to 90s out cups rather than <laughs> uh Cups of these days. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and and so for being ten grand less, it's better outfitted and uh, more well equipped in terms of just like just just technical stuff. Like mm-hmm. like I said, like front and rear lockers. So we have what it's called a winter package, and so it's a rear locker, and that's got us out some sicky situations. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's great for for what it is, and it looks freaking cool. Uh, and and ours is what you call a two point five gen, and it they have what's called blister fenders and I call it I call it a stocket bunny kit. Ooh, Ooh, I like it. Yeah.
0: And then so what else have you done to it over these years? where you have had it? what are the changes you've had to make over time, I should say. So we we had to we make did... it the ult- almost ultimate off-roading vehicle <laughs> or adventure vehicle one might say.
1: Um we have a lift, uh we have like a 2.5 inch lift and then we have off-road tires from BF Goodrich uh which was one of the biggest things um cuz you know people always ask you like what should I do first? Like tires before anything, all right, like that's got the most important thing is tires. you don't even need to lift, just get proper, good all trains mm-hmm. and then um from there we have uh what was it the front skid plate from adventure driven design, and then and then we slowly, the back of the truck is really transformed because that took organization is the most important when you're out in the middle of nowhere and so we we start out with costco boxes and keep pulling them out in and out of every trip and every campsite and eventually we had we got a drawer system
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we have a fridge now and then we have a solar panel and then we have a rooftop tent yeah a, a rooftop tent yes a rooftop tent and how important is the rooftop tent It it is is not super important but it looks damn cool on instagram um, and you're doing it all for the gram, of course. Oh, for, for for the gram, yeah, yeah, exactly. Everything's for the gram. Uh, it's it's definitely like I'm fifty-fifty on the rooftop tent, mm-hmm. right? So one part of me says it's really cool because you're off the ground, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing because if you're staying somewhere cold, you're the off the ground. Cold, as well. the ground is cold, right? Yeah, so if you're, deal. I need, I think for us, you're we're like six feet off the ground, mm-hmm. um, and it it really helps with the cold. So we we've stayed in. Below, a little below 20 degrees in the cold, mm-hmm. and it's been okay. But when we stayed in 25 on the ground, we were dying. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a big difference. Yeah. What about
0: wild animals? How often have you been attacked by bears before you got the rooftop tent
1: and then post-rooftop <laughs> tent? So wild animals is – well, you know, like they, 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 the rooftop tent was developed in Africa – for the wild animals, and we don't have giraffes and lions and things like that here, so it's definitely more of a cool because you want to do a thing here in mm-hmm. the United States. But um, it's important just a little bit. We have bears and we have wolves, and we've stayed in places where we've heard both, and um, we weren't in the truck, but we've come back to the truck once, and we have a trash can in back of in our rear tire, mm-hmm. and it was slashed, What oh. through a bear because there was trash in it. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Yogi was like, we were lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's not that much needed for, it's just, I, I would say a rooftop tent is literally for Instagram cools right now. Yeah. Um, unless what you do is Arctic
0: driving and then it's kind yes, of unless the you, ins-
1: unless you're in like Australia mm-hmm. or the Arctic or Africa. Um, yeah, th- those, those are the countries that actually need it. Because they have things that eat you
0: out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. everything gets you in Australia. Everything gets you. Have you
1: seen the size of the spiders? I have this story. This Okay. I shot Luftical. No, not Luftical. I shot uh, Sport Union this mm-hmm. past year. Mm-hmm. Right At Sydney Motorsport Park? <laughs> at Laguna Seca. Oh, okay. Right? I thought he was going to tell me about the Australian spiders. At, I'm getting there. Okay. Right? And I'm, I'm shooting at the corkscrew, at the bottom of the corkscrew. And if you've ever been to uh, Laguna Seca, you'll know throughout the whole track – it doesn't matter if you're on the track or off the track. There's giant holes in the ground mm-hmm. in the dirt, mm-hmm. right?
0: Were you on the spectator side or were you on the photographer side? I was on the photographer side, Okay. right?
1: Yep. And then uh, I was shooting, and there's this guy next to me, and, he, and he, he says in his Aussie accent, he's like, hey, mate, like what's in these holes, right? I'm like, oh, they're, they're like squirrel holes or chipmunk holes. And he's like, oh, mate. In Australia, those are spider holes. I'm like, good God. Yeah, because yeah. you've
0: got the trapdoor spiders on the East Coast. <sighs> I'm good on that. But they're still not the bad ones. See, they're oh, no, pretty... they're
1: not the bad ones. But I don't want to see a spider come out no, of a no, hole. No, So
0: the trapdoor ones, they bite you when you have to get the, yeah. the anti-venom. Yeah. But it's the Huntsman's, which are the big ones, which are so friendly. That's but, all nope Town though. But they can run so fast. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. You could say a cheetah runs fast or a leopard. No, nothing as yeah.
1: fast as a huntsman over that first yard. Whoa, they're quick. This is why there are rooftop tents in Australia, and this is why you should have a rooftop tent in Australia. I certainly I certainly We agree don't have running spiders in, in North America to warrant a rooftop tent, other than for Instagram, cool. But yeah. yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So then if. If that's the case, what have you got planned between work and play over the remainder of twenty nineteen? What have you got? What's up your sleeve? I should say. Uh,
1: work wise, um, as a freelance photographer, uh, just how the industry industry works, it's always last minute. Mm-hmm. I know I have Pike Speak. Like, there's certain big things that I know so I have coming. So, what are some of the big things
0: you've got already? So, Pike
1: Speak is coming, and um, uh, yeah, Pike Speak's on the pipeline. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I think. Oh, let me think. Yeah, Pike Speak for sure, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. Um But those are like event stuff, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, and then there's always a, I'm, I'm drawing a blank to my calendar right now, but yeah, that I would say Pike Speak's kind of the big one right now for yeah. for my year, and, and then. And then then you got love but then what about on the fun side that you're gonna? Oh, the fun be, side. Yeah, where are you gonna be adventuring to? Oh, in so your rooftop tent. So that that you that 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 that's, that's all I got all of my mind right there. So, um, we're actually planning quite an extensive year with with our Montero. Um, uh, so we're we're going to Baja, mm-hmm. or soon, and we're going to do that for a couple of weeks, probably for two weeks, and then uh, we kind of break and and you know go home make some money, which is then, handy handy right? Yeah. Um. And then we're, we're early or late spring. We're gonna go to what we call the national Bar- park hit. So we're hitting, uh, I believe Yellowstone, mm-hmm. and and then Glacier, mm-hmm. and then another one, and then we drive up to Canada to Banff. Ooh, that's a fancy trip. That's a fancy trip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that's kind of like early early spring, and then. As the summer goes on, um, we stay local up 395, go to Lone Pine, go to Mammoth, um, things like that. Um, maybe go up to the Pacific Northwest. We haven't been there yet. Um, soon, nice, cooler spots. And then when fall starts coming around, we start starting to hit up like maybe Zion again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were enthralled. Last year was our first time in Utah, mm-hmm. like southern Utah. And we were absolutely enthralled. Okay. Head over heels for Utah.
0: Interesting. See, yeah. I to go, so I was one of the ghosts. That's a good push for me to get yes. out there and try it.
1: So uh, last year we we did a strip. Then it was Utah and Colorado, mm-hmm. right? And we knew like in our minds Colorado would be our the place we wanted to go to because of the mountains, the forests, all the jazz, right? And as we drove through Utah and we went to Zion and then we did some other stuff and we did Grand Staircase and we saw how open it was and how free it was. Like as an overlander, like vehicle-based – uh, exploration um you could go anywhere mm-hmm. in utah like absolutely anywhere as long as you have the tires and as long as you're on a real road that you're not driving off in the middle of nowhere you could go anywhere you want and you can camp anywhere you want for free and it's amazing and it's beautiful and it's awesome and the colorado was great because but but then it was exactly what we were expecting we were expecting exactly that we were not expecting to be uh, head over heels in love with Utah as we, much as we were okay yeah. well, that's
0: good to know yeah and they've let the cat at the bag and it's all gonna be busy next time you go
1: yes yeah yeah Sorry. so it's okay um, leave no trace behind pick up your poop pick up your pee pick up everything 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 um, and then make sure the bears don't get up and make sure the bears don't get up yeah uh, yeah, so it's, it's going to be quite a year for, for your the fun side of things. Yeah,
0: it's, It certainly sounds like – and then if anyone of our listeners is wanting to track and follow your adventures, or, your, or should we say the work and fun, what's the, what's the best way for them to uh, find you on the Instagrams? On the
1: Instagrams, it's Gonderton mm-hmm. uh, for the Montero stuff, the Overlanding stuff. So it's uh, G-O-N-D-R-T-I-N or something mm-hmm. like that. And then um, Lindbergh. On, on Instagram for my own personal work.
0: And then if anyone's wanting to check out your like professional work, is there any way to see your portfolio or anything like that? Uh, that
1: would be at Lindbergh.com. Yeah. Oh, fancy. Fancy. Well, Lin-
0: Lindbergh, thank you so much for braving LA traffic. <laughs> since you're going to be hitting it as you head back now apparently. I don't think so. I think it will be all right. But it's been a real joy having you on here to discuss your love of weddings, uh-huh. the Miata. <laughs> And important tips for surviving Pax Peak. (laughs) Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you, everyone, again for listening. As always, you can find more episodes here. If you've got questions, please feel free to reach out to us either through the podcast or through Instagram or the Facebook page. And remember, likely, we'd love to have you put down a great positive review, at least 12, 13 stars out of 5 for us. That's what we look for because that's what makes 45 stars is good too. Exactly. See, I mean, why limit it to five? Yeah, yeah. Always go more. Higher is better. So, thanks again (laughs) for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye bye.